BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is a train coming? Yeah. All right, forewarning everybody, there's going to be a train. We're at Ben's house recording this. And he lives right by the brown line. Listen to this. Oh, there's Betsy. Oh, this is awesome. Can we give Mayor Lightfoot a shout out? The trains are running. I think she's driving that train. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. How's it going, everybody? And welcome to Ben Jarofsky Beyond the Column. This is a weekly podcast where we step inside the writer's mind and learn a little more about the latest column written by Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Ben, how are we feeling today? I'm feeling good. We're overlooking the alley, just so everybody knows. And sometimes you'll see teenagers uh, hiding right near that uh, blue cart smoking reefer. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a favorite site. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> you may have seen me doing that a time or two. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's one that of my, was you. That's one of my moves. Oh, my God. That's why they call him Dr. Doobie. So you're feeling okay. So how was, uh, how was the column writing going today? Column writing went well. I got it done. That's the most important thing. What time did you get? Did you get up early in the morning to write that? Uh, yes, I did. I woke up at uh, uh, 2 in the morning to write it. Oh, my God. Are I you did. serious? Yeah, man. 2 so to 4. Then I went to bed, got up and polished it off and sent that sucker in just before you arrived. So you're a late night writer. Yeah, I'm a late night writer. Wow, yeah. That's good. Yep. There's a song. I know you write it, gonna miss. Anyway, yep, that's me. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, this podcast would not be possible without the Chicago Reader. If you haven't yet, you should check out this week's latest edition. It's free to the public, man. Has been since 1971. You can find one all throughout the city. It's online at chicagoreader.com. Up-to-date concert and event listings, local performance reviews, and previews. Where to eat, where to shop. New in 2020, everything you need to know about legal recreational marijuana. And, of course, free-minded, independent journalism from real Chicagoans like Maya Dukmasova. And the feller sitting right next to me, Benny J. Ben Jarofsky. If it's going on in Chicago, trust me, it's in the Chicago Reader. And what the hell, it's free. Go find one and read one right when you're done listening to this, obviously. And don't forget ChicagoReader.com. Just bookmark it. All right, Ben, you finished your latest piece. What title did we go with this week? Chicago's Three Card Monty. I got to tell people, I write my own headlines. I'm really bad at writing them. Uh, you know, that we obviously, there are people better at this than I am. Uh, I think all the editorial writers at the Tribune, uh, excuse me, all the headline writers at the Tribune, the Sun-Times, and at the Reader would be better than me, but... You know, that's how it is. I write my headlines now. So, all right, yeah, well, I suck at it. We're going to unpack it and we'll be the judge of that after uh, we find out <laughs> what it's all about. So, tell us what inspired this week's latest work. Well, last week, we talked about it on the show last week. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot decided it was a good idea to introduce a TIF reform package. I, of course, was preoccupied most of the week with the Iowa caucus, the impeachment, national politics. Hadn't been paying attention to uh, TIF news in Chicago, TIF tax increment financing, the ongoing property tax scam that I've been writing about. Uh, 
uh, on a regular basis since the late 90s. Uh, it's been a little quiet on the TIF front, Dr. D, <laughs> since Lincoln Yards fiasco when the city council decided it was a good idea to appropriate, what, $1.3 billion, that's billion with a B, of your property tax dollars to uh, uh, underwrite upscale development in an already gentrifying area. It might as well just open a window, throw the money out, because, folks, they didn't need that money. There were a lot of better uses of that money. Man, if you just want to use it for infrastructure, just let's improve all the infrastructure in the city of Chicago instead of creating like a whole new upscale residential development that we don't need nobody wants somebody asked for yes that's billion with a b anyway so that anyway so that was the tiff program and kind of quiet on that front d and then all of a sudden uh, mayor lightfoot announced that she was going to reform the tiff program the announcement came when Lori lightfoot was where for 10 trivia points state of the union address washington dc Someone give that guy a raise. Yeah, anyway, so I took a point. I, I congratulated the mayor for getting around to uh, TIF reform. and uh, But I pointed out that there's three aspects of the TIFs that need be re- to be reformed. One aspect is what she calls equity, which is the fact that most of the money goes to rich neighborhoods, even though the program's intended to help poor neighborhoods. How is that possible? That was number one? Number one. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's number two. Yeah. Oh, number two, which has to do with transparency. And that's the fact that they never tell you um, if the projects really need the money. There's the but for analysis where the best minds in the planning department. Yeah. Tell me more about the but for analysis. I saw that when I was doing the news this week. But for this TIF handout, the project wouldn't get completed. Hence, but for B-U-T-F-O-R. But for this handout, the TIF deal, the, the project wouldn't happen. That's the old but for analysis. So the way it's supposed to work, folks, is the best and brightest minds in the Chicago's Department of Planning's department get together with their pencils and their calculators and their uh, their like computers. Go, gee, 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 and they analyze how much money the city is proposing to give the developer. They analyze how much uh, money the project's going to cost. They figure out how much money the, the project's going to make the developer. And the whole point is to see whether or not uh, he needs the money or she needs the money. More likely than not, guess what, folks? He or she, the developer, don't need the money. They're just asking for it because the city's so stupid, they know the city's going to give it to them. So why wouldn't you take it? If the city was going to offer you money that you didn't need, would you take it? Hmm, that is a tough question, a philosophical question. It's an existential question that we must answer. But nobody ever holds developers accountable for this. It's all done behind the scenes. And they have these meetings at the Community Development Commission, and they announce, uh, yes, he does need the money. Thank you for that really enlightening uh, analysis, Chicago plan department and so then the money gets approved so Lori says so that's the second problem the transparency issue uh and then the third problem is the cost whenever you create a tiff uh you uh, jack up the uh, property taxes that people pay it's a, basically a surcharge on the property tax that's the part of the whole plan that Lori lightfoot is not addressing d and in my column i talk about why in my humble opinion the city of chicago does not tell you how much tiffs cost oh it's the equivalent to roger clemens fastball it's a ben Jarowski column on tips <laughs> yes this week roger the- clemens fastball i like that <laughs> i'm gonna ask you the question ben Jarowski, will tiffs be 
reformed in 2020? No, absolutely 2021? No. 2022? No. The program works too well for mayors. Uh, it's money that flows into the coffers that they alone control that people don't really uh, realize they're paying as long. That's the scam. That's why I compared it to a game of three-card money. Three-card money, for those who don't know, is that game, that board game that people play in the sidewalks, hustlers play in the sidewalks, where you try to bet where the card will show up, and then they move the cards around. Total scam. Right. The whole point of the game is that it's a scam. Why would you reform it? So the whole point of the TIF program, it's a scam. It's a program that's le- that leads you to believe you're not paying more in taxes when, in fact, you are. If they were to tell you exactly how much you're paying in taxes, then the scam would be over. So there's no, they have no incentive to reform the program. The notion of reforming a scam is a ridiculous one. But they reform parts of the scam. You know what I'm saying? Well, we're going to uh, reform the butt for tap. <laughs> test though you know like some poor uh, developer got his paw it's actually gonna have to show why he here i'll give you an example t the butt for analysis here you go i just think of the movie the south park movie they did a joke on that movie (laughs) they did a butt for joke yeah yeah they go grab the butt for and they go what's a butt for (laughs) for pooping silly that's what I think of every time. I That's hilarious. <laughs> Why didn't I think so of that? Stupid. God, I'm not as smart as the Southport guy. <laughs> so, uh, all right, here's the example I give the but for test. Here we go. So, let's say you want uh, to go to college. Let's say you want to go to the University of Chicago. The tuition at the University of Chicago is $50,000, okay? Ooh, boy. All right, yeah. So, uh, you say, well, I can't afford that. I know. Uh, I need to get a scholarship. I need to get aid. So the way you uh, get aid is you prove that you need the aid. You prove that, but for that aid, you would not be able to afford college. Get it? So if the University of Chicago ran its scholarship program the way the city of Chicago runs its but for TIF program, they would say, uh, do you need the money? And you would say, yes. And then they would say, okay, here's the money. That's how Chicago, that's how much oversight there is. Mm. Whereas if you're on a scholarship, you got to give your tax forms. You got to prove how much money you show, how much money you made last year, the year before. You have to show how much money you have in investments and stocks. You have to really establish beyond a shadow of doubt that you need the scholarship that, but for that scholarship, you would not get in the Chicago. So there we go. That's the, but for this week's beyond the column brought to you by the, but for What's a butt for? For pooping, silly. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, this week's uh, Ben Jarofsky column. Three card. Do you explain how three card money works in the beginning of the column? No, I just work from the assumption, a dangerous assumption, ah. that my readers know that three card money is a scam game. Uh, if they don't, they can look at They Google it. Oh, okay. Right. All right. That, well, I know a lot of millennials will be like, oh, just so confusing. Meanwhile, they know every word to the Eminem song that they played at the Oscars <laughs> last night. For 10 trivia points, what song was that? Lose Yourself. I, I did not know. That was a And case. he had a beard. Yes, he did. How do you know? You I, saw, I mean, I saw pictures. I didn't watch He did watch have it. a beard. Yeah, I was like, yeah. is that Eminem? <laughs> I kept going to, to my wife. Like, she knows even less about Eminem than I do, which is really hard to imagine. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan.
So uh, what about what were some other things you were thinking about maybe uh, talking about? What was a close second? Well, I was Holland? utterly obsessed, as I have been for a long time. We talk about this in the show. The, the opposition in the Democratic Party to Bernie Sanders. Just like the virulent disdain that Democrats have for Bernie Sanders. I'm really struggling this one, D, because I'm surrounded by so many uh, Bernie Sanders supporters. You know, I mean. Whoa. Oh, wait, here comes a train. Whoa. Is that Bernie in the train? Oh, my God. $27. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Look oh. at it. That's a big one. Oh, <laughs> there goes the train. Later, Bernie. I don't understand why people dislike Bernie so much. Oh, I love the train bit, by the way. That's great. We could do different people on the train. <laughs> there you go. Holy hell. Well, here it comes again. Who's on that one? I think that's Rahm Emanuel. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm Rahm. He's a busy guy. He reads books. He writes books. He gives advice to Chris Christie, and he drives the train. Uh, anyway, yeah, I don't understand why people dislike Bernie so much. That's on my mind. We'll be talking about a lot about that this week week this this anti-bernie fervor and we get it you know as i always say our show includes uh we're wide open we have all everybody from joe biden to the left so we have all sorts of people wandering the studio d and you know you know on the microphones they tend to really what to co uh, cover up their disdain for bernie and they'll say things like i'll vote for whoever the democrats nominate yep. vote blue no matter who uh, and, and then they'll say, I'll vote for a brain-dead dog over Donald Trump. Like, like, are you saying that Bernie's like a brain-dead dog? You know what I'm saying? You ever yeah. notice that? You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, vote for a dead bird over over Donald Trump. Are you saying that Bernie's a So, you know, I just don't understand it. It's on my mind. I, I wanted to write about that. But All then right. the mayor released a TIF uh, reform plan. And everybody's like, hey, Ben, you got to write about the TIF reform plan? It's like, I kind of have to, you know. Once you, I mean, I can't really walk away from TIF stories d it's so much part of my identity well we're a day away from the new hampshire primary uh, what are your uh what do you think it's gonna go down there you think, I think uh, young bernie's gonna win oh yeah i think mm -hmm. we're gonna figure it out everything's gonna be counted just fine uh no yeah, shadow I lap I, yes i think uh i think they're gonna get it right in new hampshire uh yeah that was another obsession of mine the iowa the utter meltdown in iowa and, and trump pounding his chest and acting triumphant and so many Democrats being scared. We're well, what you, okay, lose. so uh, I saw uh, Bill Maher this weekend. Oh. He said that uh, Donald Trump had his best week ever. What do you think about that? Bill Maher said it? It must be true. <laughs> That's, that, of course, right? <laughs> Come on. No, but I, I know what you're saying. It was... Uh, That's what Bill Maher said. Yeah. I didn't say I, it. I don't know. There was a combination of, of, of events that were very fortuitous for Donald John Trump. Yes, indeed, getting acquitted. Let's not forget impeachment. Uh, he was acquitted on impeachment, even though, you know, the whole trial was rigged uh, to benefit him. Yes, the Democrats look really bad in Iowa. They couldn't even count the votes. Yes, the Democratic Party is split. Uh, there's a strong faction that just cannot take Bernie. And uh, let's face it, there's a lot of Bernie supporters who just absolutely won't vote for uh, Mike Bloomberg or Pete uh, Buttigieg or uh, Amy Klobuchar. They've said it. That's something else, D. Uh, people come into the studio and say, I am not voting for anyone other than Bernie. I get a lot of that, usually off mic, uh, when we're done with the show. So, yeah, it was a good week uh, for Donald Trump. I can understand why Bill Maher said, Maher said. For 10 trivia points, how old is Eminem? Uh, 49. No. I think he's 46. No. Yeah. That's one of those trivia you questions think? where I don't know the answer. Well, I just I have, ask it I'll, so I'll I can look. learn the answer. Like the title of the song, for 10 trivia points, what song did he sing? Did not know the answer, but I knew you knew the answer, and that's how I know it was Lose Yourself. All right, I'm looking up his age right now. You said 46. Yes. I said 49. He's 47. He's born in 1972. October 17th, 
1972. I said corrected. All right. That's Ben's column, but we're going to do a deep dive into Ben Jarofsky column past. I found a column, Ben, that goes all the way back to 2008. Yeah, it turns out, guys, Ben's been writing these things (laughs) since 1984. Yeah, (laughs) it's correct. So what we'll do here on this uh, show is we'll take a column from years ago that was this week. You know what I mean? For instance, the one I have here is from February 8th. 2008. All right. Ben Chicago Reader. This one is this one is titled "Time to Rethink the Strategy." Boys, do you remember this at all? No, but if you if you (laughs) this is awesome, you know, dude, I write a lot of columns. I know. (laughs) Been writing columns for 36 years. Okay, it's roughly a column a week. All right. Time to rethink the strategy, boys. You have no idea what this is about. I'm I'm still doing the math on 36 times 50. All right. Here we go. Time to rethink the strategy, right. boys. Time to retrain. In the aftermath of Larry Sufferton's defeat in Tuesday's state attorney election, I think it's time for the so-called Claypool Democrats to reconsider what seems to be their sole strategy for wooing black voters. Securing the endorsement of Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr. Oh my God! I do not even remember this. Still column. don't remember. No, no, but I mean, I can see where the column is going. Okay, because it's, it's it was like such a different universe. Uh, Two thousand eight, Jesse Jackson Jr. was still a congressman. Jesse Jackson Jr. still had an influence instead of being, you know, uh, an embarrassment uh, to everybody. He went, to, he went to federal prison. Larry Sufferton, our old friend from the Cook County Board of Commissioners, running for state. I forgot all this stuff, D. Jackson's stamp of approval didn't help Cook County Board Commissioner Forrest Claypool, the titular head of this North Lakefront faction, defeat John Stroger oh, in yeah. the 2006 primary for county board president. And this time, his nod did little to help Sufferton beat Anita Alvarez. Running in a field of six candidates, Sufferton did well on the north side and in Evanston, where he lives. But despite Jackson's endorsement, he scored relatively poorly in the black wards, where reformers need to run strong in order to offset the machine. I'm just going to stop right there. Is this coming back to you now? Yes, it is. But come out. I hope reformers was in quotes. Was it not in quotes? Let me look. I probably had it in quotes. I'm going to blame it on an editor. Was not in quotes. Oh, uh, is that Forrest Claypool driving that train? Hi, Ben. <laughs> I'll be I'll be over soon. <laughs> Things have been rough since I got kicked out of the Board of you Education. Live right by the Brown Line. I can hear these people. Yeah, I know. They're like, oh my God, that's Doctor Newbie. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, reformers. Yes, this is one of my. This was one of my favorite topics 14 years ago. I still delve into it every now and then. There, ladies and gentlemen, and this was a faction of North Side quote unquote reformers who acted as though all the corruption in Chicago politics uh, was contained in black communities uh, and uh, was identified with black Democrats, and they would avoid any kind of conflict with a certain mayor who ran the city of Chicago, Mayor Richard M. Daley. They just pretended Mayor Richard M. Daley was as pristine as fallen snow but they were always denouncing you know john stroger uh the cook county uh the cook county ward boss from the eighth ward who was the uh president of the cook county board they was all if only we could get rid of john stroger we could clean up corruption in the city of chicago we would reform the process and they looked the other way as mayor Daly's. you know the feds were knocking on the door investigating uh, mayor Daly's aides into job fixing they looked the other way at mayor Daly's uh tiff program which cites 
licensed off tens of millions of dollars and gave it to contra- to developers who didn't need it. They looked the other way at all the you know tearing up a Meg's field without any kind of due process or analysis. They looked the other way, D. And they just said, if only we could get rid of John Stroger. You know why? Because they were too chicken to go after Mayor Daly. So they took the easier path. And Jesse Jackson Jr. was helping them. Now it's coming back to me, D. Oh, boy, it's nice to know things have changed uh, since 2008. I know, a bunch of cowards in this. Uh, wait, there's a song called it, The Coward of the County. Well, cowards of Cook County. They, t- they pick fights they think they can win, uh, which really are not directly aimed at the goals they say they want to achieve in order to avoid fights they know they will lose. Ben goes on, obviously, <laughs> Jackson and the Claypoolians. <laughs> yeah, that's me. You can tell that's iconic. I got that one past the net. That was good. That was good. <laughs> obviously, Jackson and the Claypoolians have reasons for their political alliance. Jackson gets an inroad on the North Lake front should he ever work up the courage to take on Mayor Daly. And the Claypools get an inroad on the South and West, uh, west Side though evidently not much of one. No, because Chicagoans, they may not be the brightest bulbs in the world, but they saw this one. So, okay. In reality, it's clear that their reform agenda isn't resonating with black voters, in part because it's questionable that they are reformers. Claypool and Sufferton may blast Stroger, but they endorse daily uttering nary a peep about the scandals, property tax scams, and waste coming out of City Hall, and Suffren's work as a lobbyist for tobacco and the gambling industry doesn't exactly make him look squeaky clean. So now in 20... Wow, that's what I just got finished saying. It did sort of come back to me. Go ahead. (laughs) So now here we are, 2020. Let's look at some of these names and uh, talk about where they are now. Larry Suffren in 2020, what's he up to? He's still with the Board of Commissioners, and uh, he's one of Tony Preckwinkle's closest uh, aides. I think he uh, is a big budget guru there. He's also a lobbyist. I believe he's the lobbyist for the Chicago Teachers Union. Our good friend Stacey Davis Gates, SDG. Uh oh, here's a train. That's Larry Sufferton. Is that Sufferton driving that train? Oh, watch out. (laughs) And if you recall, if you recall, uh, he, uh, Larry Sufferton, was defending the soda pop tax against. Our our good friend Richard Boykin at a debate at First Tuesday. Remember that? I was a few years ago. Anyway, they went at it. Uh, It was a very entertaining debate. Larry suffered him very quick on his feet. Smart guy. Uh, But uh, so that's what he's doing. He's uh, Tony Preckwinkle's aide on the board of commissioners. Jesse Jackson Jr., of course, got caught up in a scandal uh, shortly after this. Not long after this article, his column came out. Uh, He was... he, uh, the feds nailed him for what was he doing? He was taking campaign donations and using it for personal use. He spent had to step down from Congress. He went to federal prison. So his career has not gone well. Forrest Claypool's career has not gone very well. Uh, Mayor Rahm appointed him to uh, run the Chicago Public Schools, and he had to step down uh, after there was an investigation in how special ed money was spent or not spent correctly, wasn't going to the classroom where it was needed. Uh, so... With the exception of Clay, uh, with the, excuse me, with the exception of Sufferton, and of course Mayor Daley uh, stepped down in 2010 and just sort of disappeared from the scene. So the only guy still on the scene in, uh, in this collection of characters is Sufferton. What are your thoughts uh, on Mayor Daley here in 2008 February? Well, back to then. Oh, I was a uh, Mayor Daley was full power back in 2008. He was engineering the city's drive to get the Olympics to come to Chicago, and uh, all of corporate and civic Chicago was aboard that train. Get the pun oh, that train, oh my goodness. the uh, Olympics train, which will be coming down the track any moment now. And so he had complete total power. 
uh, people were afraid to speak out against the Olympics because they didn't want to upset daily. The, the editorial boards of both major papers, Cranes as well, all the media's uh, folks were uh, endorsing the Olympics. So Daly was, had as much power as he ever did. He got caught in a scandal in 2006. Uh, like I said, the feds were closing in on him. And I remember Mayor Rahm, uh, then Congressman Rahm, came to town, gave a speech endorsing him, uh, saying what a wonderful job he was doing despite the scandals. So everybody was afraid of Mayor Daley. That's why they picked on uh, Stroger <laughs> or, you know, Todd Stroger, John Stroger. Then later on, uh, after the Strogers left the scene, they started picking on Joe Berrios. Oh, well, you know, we'll show how tough we are. How much we'll, for, we'll pick on Joe Berrios, who had no power. They, in those days, then they were leaving Rom alone. So uh, anyway, I, I, you know, I got kind of a little kick out of being one of the few guys that would stand up to Mayor Daly. Uh, I should also add Mick Dumpkin, my partner in crime at the, uh, at, at the reader back in those days was also standing up to Mayor Daly and that he was Mayor Daly got so mad at him he threatened to shoot him remember that day he threatened to take a gun and oh yeah. yeah stick it up you know where the sun don't shine and so Mick Dumpke was there right there next to me all right so uh, we'll do two more things here because uh, I just found out uh, as I was reading this column back in 2008 there's comments Oh my God! Don't they hated me then too? The comments in two thousand eight. You know what? It's funny you should mention the comments. They hated me in two thousand and eight. The guys who would write in uh, were generally very similar. This the world comes together. I think I may write about this for the reader. They would always say, you know, you're always complaining. Why don't you go to Detroit? That, that was a typical comment back from the hey, go to Detroit. Yeah, go to Detroit. Like, wh- why? Why? First of all, why should I? Why don't you go to Detroit? You know, uh, but the whole notion was that Chicago worked really well in contrast to Detroit. They would always pick a city uh, that was having was struggling for a lot of reasons, having nothing to do with its mayors to suggest that somehow or other Chicago would be Detroit if it wasn't for Mayor Daley. And so that was one of their uh, a favorite uh, comebacks to me. And I was thinking of that because uh, this is part of probably going to write about D. In fact, I'm probably going to talk about this in the show this week, uh, how um, uh, many uh, Republicans and centrist Democrats are basically comparing uh, Bernie to like, Venezuela and socialist countries that have really struggled. I was almost to say, why don't you go back to Venezuela, even though Bernie's not from Venezuela. What? Look, here comes the train. Oh. Who's, who's driving that train, D? Oh, my God. Is that Jamie Fritzker? Yeah. <laughs> ha! <laughs> How aboard! <laughs> I, I like this train so much, I think I'll buy it. <laughs> he bought it. All right. Well, I was going to read the comments, uh, maybe one or two of the comments from uh, this article in 2008, but it turns out Frank Coconati, it was just Frank Coconati like trolling and everybody was just yelling back. Oh, those are the good old days. Frank Coconati (laughs) would jump aboard and then a fight would break out between Frank Coconati uh, and whoever, you know, all of his enemies. And he has a lot of them in this time. I just read like a five paragraph comment from Frank Coconati. So we're going to move on. And one thing thing we're going to do, I really like the segment by the way where we look at the uh columns i really like when you don't remember them too that's funny uh, only 12 years ago okay <laughs> 12, yeah, i couldn't sense. remember what was it when my uh mick fansler was in the uh in the studio there was something i couldn't remember oh, remember yeah, that yeah now you can't remember the thing oh I my god because you can't remember stuff like constantly i know it's all right getting so old. do you remember Not what it was easy. that you couldn't remember that i couldn't remember no i can't remember <laughs> you can't remember how can you if i can't rem- if you can't remember you're younger than me how, how do you expect me to remember 
I can't remember. Is anyone still listening to this? I just knew it had something to do with uh, music. One thing I wanted to do here, uh, since you love movies so much, I is, love uh, them, man. is I went to uh, boxofficemojo.com and I pulled up <laughs> oh the God. top five movies from February 8th. Uh, to February 10th, wow. 2008. That's good. I got to give you credit. All wow. Right. I hadn't, I didn't even think of that. Any idea as to what the number one movie could no, be? No, I have absolutely no idea. None? Um, nope. I'm, no. What was? Oh, well, I got to. What the hell uh, happened uh, here? Hold uh, on. Uh, oh, I got to refresh. You got to refresh my page here. Okay. So no idea. Okay. I'll do the top. I'll, I'll name the top five movies. I'll, I'll name five movies in no particular order. And you tell me. Which one was number one? How about that? All right. All right. Or you just tell me if you know these movies. I'll tell you if I all know right. them. In no particular order, yeah. okay? I swear this is what mm-hmm. it is. All right. We got Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus Best of Both Worlds concert. Uh, no, I, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember that vaguely, but I didn't see it. And yeah. Just have a vague, it's sort of like Billie Eilish. Remember, it took me forever to know who Billie Eilish, I didn't know who Billie Eilish was until I saw her name. Uh, on the sign outside the United Center, and I walked in the suit. Hey, D, have you heard of Billie Eilish? Yeah, I barely heard of her. All right, uh, so the other one we have here, The Eye. Do you even know what that is? No, I don't remember that one I think at it all. think it may be a J-Lo movie. All right, uh, let me oh, see here. Damn. We also have Fool's Gold. Fool's Gold. Uh, I, did, I think I saw Fool's Gold, but I can't remember it. All right. And not doing well. We have Juno. Oh yeah, I saw Juno. That's about the the, the fifteen year old that gets pregnant and uh, she decides not to have uh, an abortion and have the baby. And um, El, uh, what's the lady's name? Ellen Page. Is that who the actress yeah, was? Yeah, Ellen Page. All and right. oh boy, was her boyfriend. Serta. Oh boy, yeah, Michael Cera. Cera, he's good. He's funny. Jason man. Bateman was in it. And uh, was J- no, yeah, Jason Bateman. No, yeah, who did he play? Jason Bateman was the guy who uh, looked after uh, Juno. Maybe it was, I don't know if he was the dad. No, I saw no, it no. once. Jason Bateman was in it, though. I'll pull it up in a minute. Uh, I think All you're right. going to be wrong. And the, the, the fifth movie is a movie I remember. I don't think I saw it, but I remember Martin Lawrence, Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins. <laughs> so tell me what was number one. Uh, I once again, s- I'll say, I'll read them. Hannah Montana, mm-hmm. some concert thing. Uh, the Eye. Let's see. Fool's Gold. Juno. Welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. I'm going with the eye. You're going with the eye? Mm-hmm. Never heard it? No. But you're I, going with it as I number think it one. sounds like a horror movie, and it's the kind of movie that would be number one. So I'm just, hey, man, I'm, that's what I'm going with. Your number one movie in the box office, February 8th through February 10th, 2008. Fool's Gold. Oh, God damn it. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> when you're a, wrong? A movie starring Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. Were they in a boat? I actually saw that movie. They were in a boat. (laughs) (laughs) A new clue to the whereabouts of a lost treasure rekindles a married couple's sense of adventure and their estranged romance. And they go on a boat. I I saw that movie. It was so forgettable that I forgot it. (laughs) And let's see here. Welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. Dr. R.J. Stevens is a talk show host played by Martin Lawrence who visits his family in the Deep South. While there, he reunites with his brother, Otis, his sister, Betty, as cousin, rival Clyde, and his childhood love interest, Lucinda Allen. Do you remember Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins? Just a vague memory of that movie. I remember a a baseball game. They played a baseball game in the movie for some reason. So February 2008, oh my God, that would have been 
uh, it was just after the Super Bowl. The uh, Giants defeated the uh, Patriots. Barack Obama was battling it out with Hillary uh, Clinton for the Democratic nomination. Now the year is coming back. I was obsessed with Obama's campaign. Can you believe that, Dee? I was obsessed with Obama's campaign. My oldest daughter was working for Obama's campaign in Iowa. The eye is a woman receives an eye transplant that allows her to see into the supernatural world. Mm. Well, okay. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So I wasn't really, I was, and also February is kind of a slow month for movies, you know? Trying to see who's a lot of movies. Jessica Alba. Okay, I remember. I remember this movie. Yeah, I know I didn't see it. I was obsessed big, with politics. You weren't a big Jessica Alba fan in 2008? No. I would tell you what I was a fan of, the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> they were not doing well in 2008. In fact, the Bulls did not make the playoffs in 2008, and as a result, they were in the lottery. And you know who they took when they got the draft? Number one from Simeon High School, Derek Rose. I'm looking up information on Juno while you're asking me these questions. All right, and finally, Juno. No, Jason Bateman was not in Juno. Yes, he was. Jason Bateman. God damn it. You know what's worse than me being wrong? Dennis being right. Wait, hold on. D, here it comes. Who is that? That's Juno driving that thing. Juno. (laughs) What's the dad? (laughs) What's his name? Simmons? J.K. Simmons? J.K. Juno. (laughs) That's actually not a bad J.K. Simmons. I love J.K. Simmons. He's one of my favorite actors. That was fun. That was a blast, man. I particularly love watching the trains going by as we do it. All right. That's our Beyond the Column special. Remember, everybody, the Chicago Reader. Go check it out online. Read this week's column from Ben Jarofsky and check out everything else in the Chicago Reader to find out what's going on in Chicago, where to eat, what to do, what concerts to see, how to smoke reefer legally, (laughs) all kinds of stuff. Weird to smoke it. In that stuff. back alley by the blue? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the recycle bin. out there. Whoa, <laughs> man. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, see you soon, I guess. This has been Beyond the Column with Ben Jarofsky.